There has never been a more important time to make a difference and create better lives. I'm Andrew Liveris, former chairman and chief executive officer of the Dow Chemical Company and the former executive chairman of Dow DuPont. In this podcast series, you will hear from one of our Liveris Academy scholars interviewing a leader they identified as being important to them. My name is Amber Spurway and I am a Liveris Scholar studying chemical and biomedical engineering. In this podcast, I am exploring leadership, and within that broader context, I'm looking at the importance of optimism when it comes to both leadership styles and delivering messages and information so that people are more likely to listen. Welcome, John. Could you tell me a little bit about yourself and what roles you currently hold? Currently, I'm at George Mason University in the U.S., and I work at the Centre for Climate Change Communication. So obviously I'm working in the field of climate communication, but I'm specifically focused on misinformation. How do you understand climate misinformation and what do you do about it? How do we, how do we counter misinformation and basically neutralise it? Yeah, that sounds really interesting. So based off that experience, what do you believe are the key qualities of a great leader? The key qualities of a great leader, oh, that's, a, that's a very broad question. Um, so I guess I was just talking to somebody today about uh, COVID, uh, an American, and I was saying, how's it going in Australia? And I said, well, you know, they're down to like pretty much zero new cases per day, whereas here it's 200,000 new cases per day. And they said, wow, I guess that's what happens when leaders actually listen to scientists. <laughs> <laughs> so it seems like a really obvious thing but that we might take for granted in Australia, but uh, here in the US there is desperate need for leaders who follow science, listen to experts, and don't let ideology or, or just um, partisan politics dictate what direction they go in. I'm very grateful to have been in Australia for the past year for that reason. <laughs> Building off that then, how important do you think that optimism is in a leader? Well, I think optimism is definitely important because uh, you need optimism to inspire the public, even like just specific examples like inspiring them to support specific policies. I work in climate change, so the one thing we are grappling with is how do you promote public support for climate action and climate policies? And optimism is a big part of that. It's uh, or, or in my biz, in climate psychology, we would call it efficacy, group efficacy or individual efficacy, this belief that we can make a difference, whether it's making a difference as individuals trying to fight climate change or whether society as a whole can actually you know, avoid the worst impacts of climate change. And if you don't have efficacy, people are less likely to support climate action. They can become paralysed and do nothing or they can just disengage from the issue. So, so certainly uh, incorporating optimism and hope and efficacy in our public engagement, or how we lead, how we talk about an issue is very important. The next question is kind of in a similar vein. You talked about having to get the public around climate action. And so what were your biggest lessons from a situation where you've had to change the view of another person or group? So I work in the field of climate misinformation, which often involves people who deny the science. And I learned through painful experience that it is actually really difficult to change the mind of someone who denies the science for reasons other than 
the actual science. Usually the, the biggest predictor of why people deny climate science is ideology or, or even political affiliation. It's really their political beliefs and what political tribe they belong to. So if I'm trying to persuade them, change their mind with scientific evidence, scientific evidence isn't what caused them to form their position. So it's, it's very difficult to change their mind out of that. I guess the main lesson, at least in the very narrow context of climate denial, is often you can't change a person's mind, which maybe isn't the answer you want to hear if, if the topic is optimism. But uh, I guess there's always a tension between realism and optimism in, in hard situations. In the case of climate denial and trying to change a person's mind, it can be quite useful to recognise when it's a, you know, a difficult or impossible situation. For example, trying to persuade them with science when they're driven by ideology. And in that context, then, then it, that can actually be quite a liberating or, or instructive mindset. Let me give an example. When I give public talks about climate change, uh, often there'll be someone in the audience who'll ask me a question and they'll throw some climate misinformation at me. And it's usually a very common climate myth. They might say, well, didn't global warming stop in 1998? Or isn't the sun causing global warming? Just very common myths that have been debunked for, for decades. And the approach I take in responding to those is to think, the odds that I'm going to actually change that person's mind are, are minimal. But in my response, what I can do is speak for the benefit of everyone else who's watching that exchange. And so I try to um, turn those kind of conversations into a teachable moment, uh, explaining the science, explaining the, the fallacies that the myth used to distort the science. And hopefully by doing that, I um, essentially inoculate everyone else who's watching that exchange against that misinformation if i'm lucky if as a bonus i might change that person's mind um, the one way to change a person's mind if they are ideologically driven is explain the techniques used to mislead them but even if not you can still turn it into a positive approach uh, and by taking that mindset it's actually quite i mentioned liberating before i, I guess it's very frustrating trying to change a person's mind if they can't be changed but if you go into it thinking, well, I probably aren't going to change their mind, you can approach the conversation in a much calmer fashion and how you talk is just as important as what you say. Then going off that, do you believe that people are more likely to change their ways or listen to scientific advice if the message is delivered with optimism or if it kind of relies on fear factor and scaring them into action? Definitely optimism in the context of climate communication is, is crucial. Uh, if our message is just scare messages, you know, doom and gloom, that can have a paralyzing effect because people come away without that sense of efficacy that they can make a difference. So you, if you are going to talk about the problem of climate change, you need to couple that with the solutions and the fact that we have the solutions, we have the technology we need, we have um, renewables, we have the ability to transition to a clean form of energy, like society as a whole. Um, we just need to um, find the political world to do it. So, so yes, optimism or, or solutions are, are definitely an important part of the message. I think it kind of comes back to what you were saying with, because otherwise people kind of go about, oh, well, what can I do then? There's nothing that I can do and then it. So that's really interesting. Do you believe that people are more likely to trust optimists or pessimists? 
Well, as a quantitative scientist, I always feel more comfortable answering a question like that if I could recall data that answered that question, and I can't. So um, my gut says I would imagine that optimists are, are more trusted. Uh, I, I mean, the, there's a thing in psychology, this kind of foresight effect where you tell people a psychological study found this and people think, yeah, that makes sense. Then you can tell them, oh, actually, the, the psychology experiment found the opposite result and they can think, oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Like <laughs> you could think, well, an optimist would, you know, be more positive so people are more likely to trust them. But a pessimist might seem more honest or real, so they might be more likely to be trusted. So it's it's an empirical question. I'm sure people have studied it. Then just kind of a couple questions to finish up. What advice would you give to aspiring young leaders, especially young leaders that are looking to go into kind of the climate field? I've um, spoke to a lot of people working in climate solutions and asked them, when you're asked, what can I do about climate change? What do you say? I've heard so many different answers. There are so many different things that people can do to help solve climate change. Uh, And so what I tell people is whatever you've got, whatever is your strengths, your skills, your voice, bring that to climate change. And if you've got different skills and different things, combine them in a way that's unique to you. And it's often those unique combinations that can make the biggest impact. So... Yeah, a saying I like is um, history is written by the people who turn up. So I think just the first step is turn up, open your mouth and start talking about climate change and bring what you've got to the climate movement. And whatever is unique about you is valuable and can make a difference.